Oh Lord, what a heavenly light. May 1963, a solo mission. That's Gordo or Gordon Cooper who flew that Mercury uh, space shuttle into space. It wasn't a shuttle, it was a rocket. The last shuttle that was ever to be launched, was launched this last week um, in uh, the United States and we saw a great bookend. But what I love about that clip is watching a person whose mission is to head into the stratosphere, to be launched into space and to see what God did in that experience. We're going to talk about flying solo today. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. I hope that you feel what God is doing in this place. The power of the Holy Spirit is here. And I also want to thank you if you're listening on podcasts today, especially from India. We welcome you from, we just pinch ourselves to find out that from Bel Guam, India, a Christian state in southern India, in Kerala, somebody's listening to our podcast and we welcome you. And we want you to know that it is always sunny here on the central coast of California. You hear the laughter. There was a little snow this morning, but we're extremely thankful for that. And we're on our fourth week of our message series that we're looking at called Real Modern Family. We're trying to look at the real dynamics of family life today. It isn't the beaver or cleaver family like it was in the 1950s. We all have these family dynamics which are different, and yet God is consistently the same. One of the things that we just have to remember is technology has changed in so quick a time over such a great distance in terms of who we can talk to internationally. I'll never forget growing up, my grandparents lived in Scotland, and I remember having to talk to them on the phone, and they'd have to go to a little red phone booth somewhere to answer the phone, and we'd have to call them at the right time, and the cables would go underneath the Atlantic Ocean, and there was always delay, so I would say, well, Grandma, I learned how to ride a bike, and there would be a five-second delay. And then I'd have to say it louder. I learned how to ride a bike. And Grandma would say, oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much. And then they got, they, uh, technology came along. I didn't know exactly how technology came along. And I remember a couple of years later, I called up Grandma, and I said, well, I've learned to ride a bike, which I learned just how to do a few years ago. And, and Grandma said, I know. I've got cellular technology over here. So... It's amazing what technology has done, and it's also been a challenge for family life. So four weeks ago, we took a look at our message series called That One Thing. And we're, what we're saying to anybody who's married or God's given the gift of marriage is that the most important thing is to think of that one thing that God has given you, that person that has put into your life. Now, there are things that change, but that one thing doesn't change it. Only that person can provide that particular need that you have if God has given you the calling for marriage. Then the next week, a week later, we looked at that message called On My Own. We looked at single parenting and parenting, and we saw that it's a calling. It's not just a job. And that when God gives you a calling, a job from God, he gives you the gifts to be able to do it. It's an automatic thing that we receive. And then last week, we looked at that message called To His Company, and we looked at empty nesters, but anybody essentially who's two. And we saw how important it is that to pay attention to one another. You know how many marriages spend more attention on their lawns, maybe not today, but they spend more attention on those than they would on their their spouse, and that more marriages struggle because of lack of attention rather than a lack of love. Well, today I want to talk about flying solo. I want to find out how many people here today are single or they're flying solo. Would you put your hands up if you fall into that category? Easily, half of our church, there's a whole bunch of categories of people who are flying solo. Maybe you're divorced and you're flying solo. A widow or widower, we need to change that word, by the way, it's awful. Solo in faith, maybe you're the only person in your marriage who is a person of faith, and so you're flying solo in that relationship. 
Maybe you're not married, or maybe there's a distance relationship where you talk on the phone, or maybe your spouse works most of the week in another location, and so there's a lot of flying solo dynamics. And as we saw from our introduction, I love flying solo images. I mean, I love Luke Skywalker, who flew solo into the Death Star, right? I love that. And I love images of other people. I love, um, I love the, remind me who this is? Thank you. You're smarter than I am. Just a test to see if you're awake. Amelia Earhart had flew over the Solomon Islands. Remember, she flew solo in that expedition. And I love Marco Polo. Remember the great uh, Christian uh, person of faith who traveled to the east, to the orient, from the west. And he went by himself. And I love you know, pictures of like Jedediah Smith who went into the west all by himself. And Nelson Mandela, who was in a prison for 35 years. He flew solo by himself in that particular instance. And people like Mother Teresa. The list goes on and on. And by the way, our Bible is full of people who flew solo. Moses, who flew solo in the middle of the Sinai Peninsula with a million people. He led them. And Daniel, who was led into the lion's den by Nebuchadnezzar. And the list goes on and on. Paul. So I've really prayed about this message today. And as I was praying this last week, I was really praying, God, show me the text that you want me to preach today for people who are flying solo. So I was having a prayer, and I had my Bible in front of me, And I opened my eyes after my prayer, and there I saw a text of Jesus hanging on the cross. And I said, God, why are you giving me this text? I said I wanted a text about a person who flew solo. And then it came to me. That's the greatest solo mission that ever was flown. There will never be a greater solo mission than the mission that Jesus Christ gave to us in this world. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, whenever this story is told, people's lives are changed. So I just want to give you a heads up that lives will be changed today as we tell this story. Let's have a prayer about the the greatest solo mission and let's talk about it. So Lord, I thank you for for your great solo mission. That you weren't launched on a rocket. That you weren't uh, put in the middle of the desert to lead a million people. You, You led all of humanity, all of us here today, on the greatest mission ever. And I pray that you would help us to learn from that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the greatest solo mission begins a long time ago, at the beginning of time. God created the world, as we know. God created the heavens and the earth, and he separated the land and the water and the light from the darkness, and he created all the animals and the vegetation and created us humans and called it all good, and he called us very good. And then something happened. We don't exactly know what, but we know that something happened. It happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and what we know that there was a great separation between God. That before that, there was this great connection. And then there was this great separation. And the separation has lasted ever since. Then it has to do with our own personal fallenness and everything else. But it was a great separation from God. And then we know that about 2,000 years ago, God sent his son. It says in 316, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. It doesn't say on a solo mission, but it could. On a solo mission into the United Good. Into the world, excuse me. And he sent it in order so that we might live forever. So that's where we pick up our text today. God sends his son on a solo mission, and it's at the very end of Jesus' solo mission. Again, his mission was to come and to die for us. That was the whole purpose for his mission. Let's take a look at this incredible text. Hear what God might want to tell us today. Let's look at our text, Luke 23, 26 through 46. Now imagine Jesus has a cross on his shoulders and he is finishing up the greatest mission that ever was to be flown. 
And as it says in 26, they led him away. He has a cross on his shoulders. Now, a large number of people followed him. Just imagine this, a person walking down the street with a cross on his back and people following him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Now, I want you to see this. As Jesus is in the deepest moment of pain in his life, he turns the attention away from himself. He turned and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves, for your children. That's an important point of flying solo. We, we really can't focus on our own pains, our own destruction, or whatever is happening to us. And then it continues. There are two men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, the Latin word here is calvaria. That's where we get our word Calvary Church. If you've gone to a Calvary Church, you could have called it the Skull Church. Don't tell them that. That may not make them happy. That's a good church, by the way. They, were, they crucified him. They put him on his solo mission on two boards nailed together, along with other criminals on his right and his left. Now, Jesus does this again. On his solo mission, he turns the attention away from himself. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine that? And then, right at the foot of this cross where Jesus is hanging on the greatest mission that ever was to be flown, people begin to gamble. I can't believe this, but they are. They're dividing up his clothes. They're playing a poker game at the basic base of the cross. Now, if you've ever been in the middle of a conversation, it can be uncomfortable. At, at this very moment of the greatest mission that was ever to be flown, Jesus is hanging in between two criminals who are arguing with one another. And one says to the other, well, he's not so great. Look at him. He's just hanging there, up there by himself. Why doesn't he get himself off the cross? And the other one says, why don't you just be quiet? He came here to live and to die for you and me. And then Jesus turns to the man who says that, and he says, I tell you the truth, you will be with me in paradise. I, I love this. At the very moment of the very last moment of the solo mission, the greatest solo mission, Jesus turns to another person and actually turns the attention on them. And then it tells, the Bible tells us it was about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land and the sun stopped shining. The curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out in a loud voice and this is how the greatest mission that was ever flown finishes. Father, in, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that, the Bible says he breathed his last. Great mission. And it was a mission to save all of us and that's why we're here today. That's why we can wake up in the morning and know that there's something so much bigger than us. And it's why we don't have to worry about the darkness, that their light shines in the darkness. So whenever we talk about the greatest mission, it's kind of hard to come from there to like us after. But let's do that. So one of the people in my life who flew a great solo mission was my great grandma. She lived in Mount Hermon, which is up by Santa Cruz. It's, it's a place where missionaries go and they basically retire there. So her husband died when she was, when he, they were both 60, so he died very young, and then she lived there for 20 years, pretty much just hanging out. And she'd listen to the other missionaries talk about coming back from Africa and India, and there was a little jealousy maybe for her. Why didn't I get a chance to do that with my life? And here I am, 80-ish years old, and I'm pretty much just here in Mount Hermon. Well, one night she comes down to the church, there's a church chapel there, and she's there in church where you're sitting, and She's listening to a preacher up front talk about a man who came into the world, the greatest solo mission, and he gave his life. And if you want to give your life in a similar way, why don't you come forward after the worship service? So that's what my grandma did. 
At the end of the worship service, she walks very slowly. She walked a bit like this at that time. Took her a little while to get there. She shuffled down to the very front of the church. And there she met the pastor and she said, "Uh, I'm ready, sign me up. He said, for for what? Well, I want to be a missionary. I want to go anywhere. Send me, India, Africa, wherever. Well, how old are you? She said, well, I'm, I don't know, 80, 80 80-something. You want to go and be a missionary when you're mid-80s? Yeah, she said. So it was the Wycliffe Bible Society. So that's what Grandma did. Dorothy Kale, that's what Grandma did. When she was in her mid-80s, she flew to Papua New Guinea. Now, she didn't tell the family she was going. (laughs) She didn't. She left a note on the table, I'm in Papua New Guinea, love Grandma. Took us two weeks to find out where Grandma was. Now, I didn't know where Papua New Guinea is. If you've been reading the news this last week, there was a great earthquake in New Zealand. But near New Zealand is Papua New Guinea. I'm thinking, what? It's a nice resort town, swimming pools. No. Tribal people, the Highlanders. Maybe that's where we get our name, the Highlanders here at this church. These were headhunters, cannibals. And there my grandma was in her mid-80s teaching them English. (laughs) Now, to finish this story in a beautiful way, I had a chance to go to Mozambique myself a couple of years ago with Lifewater International, and there was a man there named Barak from Papua New Guinea. And his parents were Wycliffe Bible Society missionaries. I said, Do you ever hear about a woman named Dorothy Kale? He said, No, I never did. But I do remember a woman who was in her mid 80s who would go and mission and work with people in the tribes and in the huts. And he said, She had courage. She would talk to anyone. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're flying solo or if you're in a wonderful marriage or wherever you are in your life. There are three things that I want to lay before you today, but I particularly want to lay before people who are flying solo. And if you have to hear this message again, it'll be on the podcast because I believe it's that important. The first thing I want you to think about right now is what is God's purpose for you in this world? What is the purpose? Why are you here? Why are you here? Not here, but like here. So this guy is in his 60s, goes to the doctor, and this, he says to the doctor, I want to know if I'm going to live to I'm 100. Doctor said, well, um, let me ask you some questions. Do you smoke? He said, no. Do you drink? He said, no. Do you uh, party? He said, no. Do you womanize? He said, no. Do you drive fast cars? He said, no. Doctor said, well, why would you want to live to be your 100? think I can tell that in church. (laughs) That's kind of a troubling joke, though, isn't it? Because the implication is that if unless you're doing those things, then why would you want to be around? But what we Christ followers believe is this. If you ask God what the purpose for you to be here, and God gives you a purpose, it will be so much bigger and better than those things. It will be so much bigger and better than those things. So let me ask you, why are you here? What is the purpose for you to be here right now? Now, I don't want you to ask yourself that question. Because people who answer that themselves come up with a different answer than the answer that God gives them. I'll never forget a couple years ago, a guy named Steve Fawcett was uh, in about page six of the newspaper, and he had died. Do you remember Steve Fawcett? He was an explorer, a multimillionaire, and he'd spent millions and millions of dollars breaking all these records, flying around the world in gliders. You can see the Virgin Atlantic plane here, uh, ballooning records. Page six, it said in the small article, Steve Fawcett died, middle of the desert, 2007. 
That was pretty much it. And I thought to myself, well, why is this great explorer, why is he on page six? He did all these great things. Then I read a little more in the article, and then I said something like, I wanted to do all of these things. I decided that I wanted to do these things. I, I, I. I thought to myself, what if this guy had not crashed his plane as his last solo flight in the middle of the desert of Nevada? What if he had been flying a solo mission to Mozambique to drop off water supplies for people who don't have running water? Page one. Now, it's not about page one or page six, but it is about what the purpose for our lives are. And when God gives us a purpose, it's huge. You know what I love so much about Jesus? He never forgot his purpose in his whole solo mission. Right? I mean, he was God. He could have done anything. So his purpose was not to be like a great debater. It'll help you read the Bible, by the way, to know this. Jesus' purpose was to come and to die for all of us. That was his purpose. And so his purpose was not to like say witty things. Remember when Pilate said to him, so you're a king? And Jesus could have given all kinds of answers. King? He, I, I can't think of one right now, but if I was Jesus, I would. <laughs> it would have been really funny or witty or debating, or, but he didn't. He said, so that's what you say I am. And another time when Jesus was in the desert with the evil one, and, and the evil one said to Jesus, uh, if you're so hungry, why don't you turn this stone into a loaf of bread? Now, Jesus' main purpose was not to show off. A lot of people's main purpose in their life is to show off. It's not my main purpose, but sometimes I do that. I know. That's just the way I made. But Jesus never showed off. I mean, he could have said bread and just snapped his fingers and the entire desert would have turned into loaves of bread. That would have just been great. But that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to come and to die for you and I. Now, your purpose is probably not to die. Hopefully not. But God has some purpose for you. You know what I love about the 12 disciples is each of them had a purpose. Some of them were kind of small purposes, but they were important purposes. Andreas, Andrew, the first disciple, Peter's older brother, you know what his purpose was? He was the bouncer of the disciples. It's true. If you wanted to get to Jesus, you had to go through Andreas. He was like buff, right? And he protected Jesus. That was his main thing. He's going to be the bouncer for God. And I love Bartholomew. He was like the translator Anyone who needed to speak Greek, he would translate it. That was his main thing, focused on his main purpose. And you don't have to be like a disciple. You know what I love is when people ask themselves, and we all have purposes that change. Remember this wonderful man by the name of Angus Wilson, who was a great member of a church that I used to belong to, and he was a heart surgeon with his whole life. Like, he was an important guy. He knew a lot. He'd read a lot of books. He's had a lot of degrees. But he figured he had maybe 10 years left. His wife passed away, and he tried to figure out from God what his purpose was. So he figured it out. Every single Wednesday, he walked down to the church, and he licked stamps. He licked stamps. That was the purpose for his life. And there has never been a better stamp licker. Let me just say, he was a great stamp licker. For 10 years, that was his purpose. For the kingdom, it was to lick stamps. So what is your purpose? Number two, when you figure out the purpose that God wants you to have, number two, you've got to turn all of the attention away from you. You know what I find the biggest trap that people who are flying solo or single fall into? And even if I spend time by myself for a little bit, I can get into this trap. 
I'm always focused on me and my feelings and my hurts and my wants. The biggest trap for people who are flying solo is to think about themselves, but the biggest thing is to turn it away from you. Just turn it away. This next little period we're going to have, the significant sacrifice time, this is a time, we'll talk more about this, but this is a chance to give up something to turn the attention away from you. And I love churches that do this. There's a church that I was reading about, just to give you some ideas. There's a church in Portland, Oregon called The Bridge, and they started to call it The Bridge because it's by a bridge. Also, because their main thing was to work with people under the bridge, homeless people who lived there. And their main thing was to give them food and medical care and get this to wash their feet. That was the bridge's purpose. USA Today went out recently and they just did a story on this church that washed homeless people's feet. They said, I have never seen a more audacious and powerful thing that anyone has ever done. And when the pastor would get up in front of people and before they would go wash people's feet, he would say, all right, I want you to find Jesus' face today. And Jesus' face is going to either be drunk or he's going to be high on crack or he's going to be broken, but I want you to see Jesus' face. And that's what they would do. Now, here's the cool thing. Now, Case Western University, a great university, did a bunch of research recently to find out kind of what was happening to people because they noticed when people would turn the attention away from themselves, they noticed that people were generally happier. So they hooked up a bunch of neurotransmitters to people's minds or something. And they figured out that there is actually something happening when people turn the attention away from them. These researchers said the brain studies show profound state of joy and delight comes from giving to others. Interesting, it doesn't come from dry action. Richard Blowers often comes up and talks about giving back, and he often says, you know, only do this if you're really into it, if you're really giving with a joyful heart. But it goes on to say that from interacting with people, the smile, the tone of voice, the touch of the shoulder, altruistic love, actually changes our lives, turning the attention away from us. I see a, a counselor once a month. He's a spiritual counselor, a pastor named Gordon Hess. And I asked Gordon, what's the most dangerous thing for a pastor? And I'm expecting, you know, the usual list. Uh, you know, stress, family breakup, whatever. He said, no, 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 no. The most dangerous thing for a pastor is feeling sorry for yourself. Don't ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. Even if you have reason to feel sorry for yourself, don't feel sorry for yourself. Franklin Roosevelt was the guy I learned this from. Remember Franklin Roosevelt who had the uh, polio disease where he couldn't walk in the middle of his life? Can you imagine finding, going to the doctor right now and finding out you'll never walk again? Now, Franklin didn't feel sorry for himself, but everyone else did. They would come up to him, oh, Frankie, Franklin, oh, you poor, 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 poor man. And he would hate that because he knew how destructive it is to feel sorry for yourself. And so he would automatically turn it on to whoever else was hurting or struggling at that time. Don't let that happen. Don't ever feel sorry for yourself. Every Saturday I call people. I'm going to let you in on a secret to my ministry. I call people on the phone, and I know it sounds like, wow, great, the pastor's calling people to pray for them. Wow, what a great pastor. I'm not doing that for you. No, no, it's true. I'm doing that for me. I do that for me. I do that because it makes me feel better. It just, it just does. It just makes me feel like, wow. A, things are not so bad. B, wow, something's happening up here. So if I call you on the phone, don't think of me. Try to think of it as you ministering to me. You tell me what you need me to pray for. So number one, figure out the purpose for your life and from God. And number two, figure out how to 
turn this thing away from you. And most important, when you get those two things, you fly your mission until it is done. You fly and fly and fly until God calls you home. You do that. You know, the text I was going to use this, this morning was the text of Moses. But Jesus was an important, more important text. But Moses, he flew this mission in the middle of the desert for 40 years, lead a million people from slavery into the promised land. 40 years, he hikes and hikes and hikes with his walking staff, and finally he gets up to the top of Mount Nebo, and he looks off of Mount Nebo, and he looks into the Holy Land, and he says, okay, let's go. True. And the Bible says that he died right there on his walking stick. That's what God wants you and I to do. We, we fly the mission that God has called us to do, whatever that mission is. And maybe it seems too small. Maybe it seems like too insignificant. One of my favorite people is a guy named David Brainerd. And I hadn't heard of him either. No one had really heard of him. He was a guy who flew a solo mission working with Native Americans, 1700s. So they sent him in. He was 29 years old. Sent him in to work with Native Americans. He got nobody into his church, nobody into a relationship with Christ. He was pretty much a dried up pastor. And he died at 29. But he did write a journal. And in his journal, he talked about this process of working with people there. Now, right after David died, a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was a great preacher, and he started to read David Brainerd's journals, and he started to think about what he had said. And and right after that, a guy named William Carey read Jonathan Edwards' books, and maybe you haven't heard of him either, but he started kind of the church in the United States, the Protestant movement. So when you look out here or you go home today and say, wow, Highlands Church is really, wow, I really like what's going on there. You can thank David Brainerd, who lived and fly, flew a solo mission that hollered anyone knew about. Whatever God calls you to, stick with it and fly it. In the very last moment of Jesus' mission, he hung on a cross and he said, thank you, Lord, Lord Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the missions you give us. Help us to know your purpose for our lives. Give us a purpose that we can enjoy and wrap our minds around and just live the rest of our lives for. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not think about ourselves and all the stuff in our lives. Lord, most of all, help us to just keep flying that mission as long as you have us until we fly on home. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people said,